going on, everybody? Welcome back to College Football Uncensored. I'm your co-host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, is my other co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, you've had a stressful day. Yeah, so it's only Wednesday, which is cool, because it feels like it's, I mean, I don't know, three weeks from now, uh, with how the past three days have gone. Um, Real quick, off the top, for those of you that don't know, we had a very scary incident with our youngest pup, um, Chips, Chips Saban, um, where he was like not feeling well and some stuff was going on like on Monday morning and we you know took him to the vet. Then all of a sudden everything escalated and he had to have emergency surgery, which we thought was going to be like somewhat normal. And then like the doctor was like, by the way, chances are he might not recover, which was a, I didn't handle that well. I'll just be honest. My reaction to that was not great. Um, so, but he had surgery today. Uh, I want to say thanks to everybody that, um, you know, sent thoughts, prayers, positivity. P- oh, yeah, that. I'm sorry for me. That was tough. Um, but for real, we really appreciate it. It's been a miserable couple of days. So um, I'm excited to record and not know much. So take it away. Some would say it's been a rough day. I Somebody did that earlier and I did not like it. Because <laughs> it was like right when we were still in the, like the thick of things. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. man, that's rough. Are you FF? And I was like, now's not the time. Now's not the time at all. I, I really appreciate a good pun, but not when uh, you know I'm sitting in the yeah so. at all. I did find time, I will say, and we're gonna we're gonna start talking about the the NFL draft like, amidst all the the crazy chaos and and you know terrifying um, potential reality of, of chips not making it. I did find time to argue on Twitter about <laughs> Mac Jones because I'm dedicated. Well, you've got to do it every day leading up to the draft. I feel like so. I'm glad you stuck yeah. with the routine. Thank you. Anyways, go find us on Twitter at CFB underscore uncensored. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. And thank you. Go subscribe so it uh, shows up on your phone automatically when it drops. Dropping a little bit late this week, but we wanted to get in. We wanted to give it time because we're going to do an NFL draft prop bet draft. We're going to draft our own prop bets, see who can hit the most. Um, and we wanted to get the most up-to-date news, and, and I'm glad we waited because the Broncos went and traded for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if you really? saw that. Yeah, I did not. So, I mean, was Drew Locke doing that bad of a job? It seems as though, yes. I don't know. Okay. Though. It, they said, uh, I think it was Schefter that said, not only did they trade for Teddy Bridgewater, but that also does not mean that they're not going to take a QB if there's one there they like. So, yeah, I, th- I think the Drew Locke days are close to done in Denver already. 2020, it was just, I mean, so bizarre because, like, you know, one day he's he's out there just absolutely tearing up, put on from Jay, or, uh, Jeezy and uh, and Kanye. It was incredible. Yeah, it was. And then was. I thought he was becoming, like, a fan favorite. And next thing you know, not so much. Yeah, so interesting. So, and then we've got uh, a couple spring games to recap as well. Um, games out in College Station, Columbia, Knoxville, and, of course, Oxford. Uh, down at the uh, Grove Bowl there. Uh, so what you want to start with the NFL draft or you want to start with spring game recap? I'm going to let you si- decide because I know it's been a tough day for you. Let's start with um, our top 10 favorite puppies. Uh, no, let's start with one. Love it. Let's start with uh, the NFL draft just because by the time it comes out tomorrow, it'll be the day of the NFL draft. We're a little bit further removed from spring games, but we will get to those later. So we can, we can definitely touch uh, on everything that happened this weekend. All right. Well, I would say that outside of like normal games, I think the NFL draft is probably 
supplanted National Signing Day as my favorite like non-sporting event, sporting event. If you can understand okay. what I'm trying to say there, I, I don't, but I think I do, um, <laughs> or I can pretend at least. I love so, the draft. It's it's incredible. That's fair. It's the, I mean, I love the actual draft itself. Do you like the yeah. build up to it? No, because what I can't stand more than anything is the 800 mock drafts that Dar- Daniel Jeremiah and, and Todd McShay will drop leading up. And like they, there's fake trades within mock drafts. Like that's my least favorite thing. I, I what you just, you just you know say anything. trade. Yeah. I, I could make a mock draft right now. In fact, I will. Number one, Zach Wilson surprise. Trevor Lawrence is going number two. Oh. That's in my mock. That's what I have. In fact, number one, the jets traded up because they were afraid that the Jags would miss take Zach Wilson. So and what so, you're saying sounds crazy, but that's not nearly as dumb as any of the shit that Chris Sims has said over the past <laughs> four days. Chris Chris Sims has Zach Wilson rated above Trevor Lawrence. Chris Sims has almost every single position ranked the opposite of what every expert in the country has. Like he has Patrick Sertan, I think, at third as the best cornerback. The only one that is like the same is is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and Kyle Pitts is I mean, the number one tight end, and that's that's about it. But then it's like, hold on, we gotta pull it up now because I'm gonna get pissed just just even thinking about well, it. Well, um, just you know, it's like he he's it's very clear that he's trying way too hard to tr- yeah. create controversy. It's like a hipster scout, kind of the same with with uh what do you call it PFF. So this is yeah. this is who he has. Um, what the hell? oh jeez, okay, can't log into Instagram, so it's gonna be a minute. Uh, they just sent Duff, our boss. Uh, a text code. So why don't you pull it up? And um, I apologize to Dev if you're listening right now. Sorry for that. I'm sure you're eating dinner. No, but like the, the whole thing is it, it was, it was like way too over the top, trying way too hard to be different. Um, and listen, I understand that like, this is a ridiculously thankless job to be an NFL scout, like, like not a scout, but to be a like NFL scout strictly for mock drafts. Like, Matt Miller is like one of my favorite people and he busts his ass. He's already got it. Like he will have out tomorrow. And I think he already put it out like a week or two ago, his top one fifty for next year. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. But at the same time, like I understand how difficult it is, but it is the worst, like the buildup to it is way worse than recruiting. Or like you said, like national signing day, because the stuff that gets thrown out there is like outrageous and anybody can say anything and the smoke screens like we talked about a couple weeks ago that are that are thrown up from teams other people like the stuff that's just clearly fiction does that make sense like just complete fiction it blows my mind that that people get away with it and like like what we've learned throughout this process mac jones has two duis um justin fields has epilepsy Epilepsy. Yeah. So here's a here's a good breakdown of Chris Sims' draft rankings. Okay. At quarterback number one, he has Zach Wilson. Um, he has Kellen Mond rated, rated above Trey Lance and Justin Fields. So that was something. Um, he has Diami Brown from UNC rated higher than Jalen Waddle and Kadarius. I didn't Tony. like that. I didn't no, like that at all. Didn't seem great. Uh, how about at running back? He has um, one Javian Hawkins from Louisville rated higher than Najee Harris. What was the order he had for those again? Because like Travis Etienne, Michael Carter, who's the not as good running back at UNC as Javante Williams, right. Javian Hawkins, Najee Harris, Javante Williams. That I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like you're just trying to create 
controversy and conversation around yourself. Um, he has Tyson Campbell rated above Patrick Sertain, which that's the one. I mean, there it is. So, and, and listen, I think he's a great cornerback, and I think he was pretty, um, you know, a, a pretty big recruit. They might have come out of the same school. Um, yeah, which is okay. insane. That is ridiculous. There's like seven kids that could be drafted off of one, or six kids that could be drafted off the same school uh, or from the same team. I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I'm trying to, trying to say. I, I, get, I get you. There's a high school that's just sending kids straight to the pros, like that Nelly song. Um, but anyway, like – like I don't have a problem with J.C. Horn being above Patrick Sertan, or I don't but know. Because um, J.C. Horn's actually not even in his top six. That right there is what blew my mind because I saw the offensive of, the offensive of rankings and it was like, okay, like say what you want about the Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson thing. Sure, I mean the guy was he was the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school. His dad obviously played in the NFL for a long time. He, he like his job is covering football, but I was just kind of blown away at the fact that if every other person is saying like like the consensus best defensive player in this draft is Patrick Sertan, right? Or is the first one to be taken off the board? I think JC Horn is fantastic and and he's a top 10 talent. Yes. How do you not have him in your top six? And then you, and then he came out with a mock draft the next day where he he had him going 12th overall. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Anyway, so, we don't talk about Chris Sims that much, but it's I, I was telling somebody today my least favorite I love the I love the draft. You're right. Like it's it's awesome. It is somehow the most gripping four hours of TV that you will get sucked into and enjoy every moment. Um, Especially when Trey but, Wingo makes everything sad. Oh my God. We got to talk about that too. <laughs> uh, there's no, they, they probably won't go in that direction again. Right. Um, you got to think they got enough negative feedback on that one. I would, I would hope so because last year, if you guys don't remember this, uh, there was only, only like, misery and and it was like the biggest debbie downer um I don't, like it was like debbie downer cosplay from trey wingo like every single person that came up his reaction was not like wow what an incredible moment the kid came from a, a great stable home uh had a 3.2 gpa it's like listen fantastic kid however his mom was a crackhead and possibly a prostitute we don't want to speculate on that still think he could do great things in cleveland <laughs> what <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Let's get into the NFL draft prop bets draft. I'm going to give you still talk about the NFL draft for a second because I got a couple of things okay. I want to ask you. OK, OK. All right. um, so there's a couple of numbers and it'll get us into the, the prop bets. The SEC, because uh, we are, you know, we're still an SEC podcast, whether you like it or not. Um, they are attempting to have their 15th consecutive season or fi- 15th consecutive year where they have the most overall selections uh in the nfl draft and the most first round picks uh in the nfl draft as well do you see that happening first and foremost well i can tell you it's not going to be the pac-12 so yeah probably no okay so i think the numbers they had as i saw them a couple days ago were this is from bet online uh it was five and a half total players and this is in the first round only five and a half total players um from who was it the acc six and a half from the big 12 and i might be mixing those up but and then 12 and a half from the sec and five and a half from alabama love that yeah same but thoughts and opinions on on does the sec get over 12 and a half um i think they clearly have the most you know like they always do and then 
we hear it every single year and it never happens, but does Bama finally tie and or break Miami's record of six first round draft picks? All right. So let me think about this. Um, I definitely think there's a chance on the sec one. Give me the prospects you think would equal six for Bama. So it'd be Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, um, Najee. No, it, in order it'd be Vince Sertan. Uh, then it would have to be Najee and or Christian Barmore. And then you got to find somebody that sneaks up there, like um, like Landon Dickerson. I, yeah. Alex Leatherwood, he's not going to be up there. We haven't heard anything about that. Um, so I think those are your only potential guys that could that could do it. Dylan Moses is not like. It, they could possibly get six. I don't, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Dickerson, I think it would be tough to, I mean, he's a great player. Uh, I, in fact, top of the second round, I hope the Falcons have a chance of getting him. Um, but I think with that late season injury, it could push him to a later round than the first, but it's gonna be close. You know, it'd be great to see, you know, another, another record broken by Alabama chip Saban. I'm sorry, Nick Saban. Um, there you go. definitely doing a lot of, a lot of things have been over the years. That'd just be another feather in the cap. That's for sure. Um, you know he has more first-round draft picks than he does losses at Bama. He lost, he lost six. <laughs> yeah, he lost six <laughs> his first year. Um, anyway, this is not a Bama podcast, but I, I did want to get your take on that. And then also the other thought, which is, like, again, real quick before we get to like the prop bets, what do you think happens at three? We're both from Atlanta. What do you want the Falcons to do? Um, and... Who do you think ends up becoming uh, the like the steal of the first round, or like any any bold predictions for the first round? And and I want to bring up the Falcons thing real quick because the first thing I did like this morning before we got that news from Chips was lose my mind hearing Ryan Clark um, on SportsCenter. Who I, I like Ryan Clark, former LSU guy, played in the NFL for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, does, I mean, like it's like my Twitter, like his his appearance on SportsCenter is like my Twitter in terms of his feelings towards LSU and and how I usually cover Bama. And he said today, and again, it's the Louisiana guy. Um, so I'm assuming he probably is not a huge fan of the Falcons, even though he played for the Steelers. But his whole thing was what, like the Falcons shouldn't even have a draft pick. They should, they should just pick in the second round because they haven't done anything. We haven't talked about them in months. And I just kept thinking, I was like, dude, you're yeah. And it was like, you're in the media. Like he's like, we have nobody's even talking about the Falcons. I'm like, that's your job. Like, yeah. talk about them. Like, it's not, it's not like the people of Atlanta are, you know, I know there's like that stereotype that like they don't have great fans here, but we do. And yeah. with that pick at four, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen there. And, you know, that's, that's just how I feel about it. All right. Let me, let me go back. I, I think so. The, the question on the SEC was 12, right? Do you think we can mm-hmm. get to 12 in the first? I think it's definitely possible. I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say it happens. Okay. Um, I think the swing picks that are going to possibly make it happen, can Jamin Davis get in the first round? Yeah. Because there's a lot of buzz about him recently. Um, can ter- like a guy like Terrace Marshall? Because what we've I think we've seen over the last few years is receivers have become such a premium Huge. I think at the very bottom of the draft there, you know, the Ravens desperately need receiver help. Um, you know, you could see someone like the Bills or the Packers both need. So, you know, Tony, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore. I could I could see it happen. Yeah. So I'm going to go yes on that. Uh, for the okay. number three pick, you're not going to like this. 
I kind of feel like the Mac Jones thing isn't going to happen. I, mean, that's, I told you, you I would take Justin Fields over him. And it could be Trey Lance too. I mean, if you believe the reports, and I don't think that uh, I don't think that San Francisco has any reason to throw out a smokescreen because we're okay. pretty sure that that Lawrence and Wilson are the top two picks. Right. I mean, maybe Wilson is a, a smokescreen, but I doubt it. So the fact that these reports are surfacing that pretty much everyone in the organization wants Trey Lance, but Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Trey Lance. I'm going to go Trey Lance number three. Um, we'll see that. What do you, what do you think on that one? So I think it's Justin Fields and, and like, you know, either one would be, would be fine. Like I love the fact, and, and we're not going to get into it, but I love the fact that, that we finally heard one person like with, uh, with David Pollock kind of go to bat for Mac Jones, because I, I don't think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than, um, then what do you call it? Then, then Justin Fields necessarily at the next level. I, I, I'm not saying that. Yeah. And I've said several times on here that I would take Justin Fields over Mac Jones. What I don't understand is how we just completely disregard anything he's accomplished. And <laughs> right. that's, that's what's so confusing to me because like a year ago, like the, the argument for, for him at, like at Bama is like, well, he's got too much talent around him. And then a year ago we have Joe Burrow, who again, I think is a better quarterback than Mac Jones, but he has, he broke all these records, right? Wins the Heisman Trophy, number one overall draft pick. He had 14 players off his team drafted, the most in, in NFL draft history. And we never made that excuse for him. So I just was very confused by that. I, I think that they end up taking somebody like, like Justin Fields because, you know, if, if you have – he's going to walk into a situation, whoever they draft is going to walk into a situation where you have an incredible young receiving core. Um, a, a, like I, I believe like a, one of the top five – left tackles in the uh in the nfl a top five defense and you have kittle as well so i feel like you're walking into a fantastic situation and you are going to be in a a great position to succeed no matter who you are i just think that somebody like trey lance just doesn't have enough either on tape or um you know actual game experience against like premium competition sure yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Um, so we're both in agreement, though, that the, the pick will not be Mac Jones. Well, I mean, if you're going to say it's not, I'll say it is. My, my my fear for Mac Jones is if he doesn't get picked at three, how far does he fall? Because it seems like... Think... Go ahead. Like, I just, I don't... It seems like there's not... And I guess maybe because there's been so much talk about Mac Jones being the number three pick that there's not been a ton of discussion about where else he would go. But if you look at the list, um, you know, I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of discussion with other teams in the top 10, potentially even top 15. Like I could see him falling down to the Patriots at 16 if he doesn't go three. Yeah, I mean, so, right. I, I could I could see that happening as well. Um, but I don't think any of the top five quarterbacks are going to are going to fall past 15 wherever. Like, and honestly, I think we we're in a situation where we could easily see the Patriots trade up for somebody. Yeah. So. You know, I, I don't think when when it's halfway through the first round, I think all the top five quarterbacks we've talked about incessantly will be gone, right? Um, I mean, and there's other places too. Like, I mean, Carolina. Well, actually, they just got Darnold. Um, and but like, even with Bridgewater, there's still a possibility, like you said, with Schefter saying that they the Broncos might get somebody. Yeah. You know, the Cowboys. That's not a spot that you're going to go. Um, obviously, not the Giants as well. 
I'm trying to go through like the actual draft stuff. Arizona, no. Washington at 19, that's a place I think that you could easily draft somebody. I don't, I don't know why they're not talking more about that. Um, there's rumors that that the Dolphins might take somebody, which I would be kind of shocked about um, since they just drafted two last year. But yeah, so I, I like, and again, going back to Chris Sims being an idiot, um, his actual first round mock draft, he had Justin Fields at 32. Which is, I just don't see that happening. Like, no, I don't think any of those no, quarterbacks are going to no be are going to drop that far. Um, and we can get into the actual uh, prop bets here because I'm going to pick first, and I'll tell you my my first pick is a sneaky one here. That is, um, where'd he go? Over under five and a half quarterbacks taken in the first round. I'm going to take okay. the over at plus three hundred. I'm going to jot these down so we can. We can track this. So okay. over under five and a half QBs in the first round. You're taking the over. Mm-hmm. So you think who would, who you have sneaking in outside of those five? I could see somebody like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond, but I think it'll end up being Trask. Cause like what we're not talking about is places like, like the bears, like in Chicago taking somebody mm-hmm. cause they have Andy Dalton and you know, like I said, Washington, um, you know, where else could we go here? Who Who's the quarterback in Indianapolis? Um, uh, Carson Wentz, right? Oh yeah. So I, again, I would think that that could be a, a potential spot. Sure. Um, I, I just think there's too many places on here where you could have a potential, um, a potential quarterback, somebody go up and, and, and get taken like as a surprise. And it always usually, usually always happens with quarterbacks as well. So what's the odds on the, over, on the over on that? Plus 300. All right. Got that jotted down. All right. I like that pick. I, I do have some picks in here that are bold as well. Uh, I think it's a bold call. I Because I, I saw that and I just was trying to... I was trying to jog my mind on what could it possibly be that could sneak into the back end of the first round. I don't right. see it being either Mond or Trask, honestly. But sure. hey, plus 300 is good. All right, so... These odds are not great, but I think it's a layup pick. Uh, so my first pick is going to be Kyle Pitts under five and a half, minus two fifty. Yeah, I like that. So I like that. You said minus two fifty. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think that. Um, I think Kyle Pitts will probably go to the Falcons. That's not what I hope as a Falcons fan. I hope they take the QB of the future. If I'm a GM, I'm hoping this is the last time under my regime that I ever pick in the top five. You've got yeah. a really good QB class. I think you take advantage of it. You could take Trey Lance, who there's a lot of questions about his experience. Well, hey, perfect. You can't even trade Matt Ryan. So go ahead and let Trey Lance sit on the bench for two years, just like Aaron Rodgers did, just like Patrick Mahomes did, learn, and then take over when when Matt Ryan leaves. But I think they'll end up taking picks. And if they don't, I think the Bengals will take them. Or someone might trade up. He's that big of a game changer. So... Yeah. Under five and a half, Kyle Pitts minus. Wait, you think the Bengals will take him? I think they would. I mean, they're looking for. I think he's the best tight end or the best receiver in this draft, honestly. Okay. Because he's such a mismatch. Um, so, anyways, Pitts under five and a half. I think, yeah, he wouldn't slip past the Bengals. All right. I like that. Um, next one, I'm, I'm going to take the over for SEC's players drafted in the. Uh... Oh, wait. Are we doing snake draft? Is it my no. turn again? Okay. No, it's not. Um, right. I'm going to make the rules up as I go. Right. I would. The next one I'm taking is uh, 
what do you call it? The uh, SEC over 12 and a half. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. What's the odds on that? Tyler, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. I forgot to look, but it's it's good. It's good that's stuff. Good. It's all nice. <laughs> it's, all it's all good things. All righty. Um, okay, this was in line with what we just talked about, um, but I still love the odds. First non-QB drafted, Kyle Pitts minus 195. So yeah, going, doubling like up on pits. Doubling up on that's pits. That's a really good pick. The next, the next closest one is Jamar Chase at plus three twenty-five. Um, no, I like that a lot better. Because I, I just don't like he's one of those guys too, where I feel like if if for some reason, and the only reason he would drop outside of the top five is if you if a bunch of teams traded up into the top five to get quarterbacks, right? right. Um I don't like even if you don't need a tight end, especially with the way the game's played nowadays, I don't see anybody passing up on that kind of talent if you get down to like six, seven, eight. I mean, like it's it's like a no-brainer. Here's where I think it could go wrong for me is I don't think the Falcons will trade out of that pick until everyone figures out what the 49ers do. And if the 49ers go Mac Jones, you could see somebody want to trade up for Panic. a Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields. Right. Um but I think the whole league, at least the QB hungry teams, are waiting to see what the Niners do before there's anything. So I don't think you're going to see. And if they trade out, then I'm very nervous because then it comes down to the Bengals. And the Bengals, I feel like they probably need an, a, a, a tackle. But they right. also, you know, to pair Burrow with Pitts or Chase, it, it seems like you can't pass that up. And I, I listened to no. a, a podcast from. Uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and he made a good point. He was like, with the with the O line, it's it's great to have elite O line, but you're only as good as your worst O line because it's a unit right. that all plays as one. If you don't have playmakers at receiver, then it makes it very hard to score points. And so, yeah, if you get Burrow, either Pitts or Jamar Chase to pair with T Higgins, who they drafted last year. Now you're cooking and you can you can get easily at the top of the second round, like we're talking about like a Landon Dickerson or maybe one of these guys that's projected in the first round to fall. Now you've got an absolute playmaker guaranteed in Chaser Pitts and an O lineman. So um I don't know. I, I think I think I, I like my bet though. QB or uh, Pitts first non QB minus one twenty five. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um all right, my next one is Total number of trades in the top 10 picks over under one and a half. So it's actually the juice is on um, on under, but I'm going to take the over here again. I didn't really go on what I thought would be the best, uh, like most like surefire bets. It was just like was value bets. Get some value. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm taking next. OK. All right. Um I this one probably goes counterintuitive to what I've said, but I still think it's this was more of a value bet. Is Trey Lance over six and a half plus one twenty? Okay, so that would basically mean it's chalk. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Pitts, and then the sixth pick is the Bengals. And I don't th unless someone trades up with them. I don't. No, I'm sorry. They've got five, so that'd be Sewell. That'd be Chase. And then it's right. the Dolphins, right? So the Dolphins would have to trade out, make a shocking pick of Trey Lance, or I win the bet. 
So I like that. And it's plus odds. So basically I'm betting that the Falcons don't take Trey Lance or someone doesn't, you know, trade up. So okay. I'll go Trey Lance over six and a half plus 120. All right. Uh, next one for me is Justin Fields in the top 10. Um, I'm sorry, the top five overall picks uh, in tomorrow's draft. And that is minus 110. I think I think that happens. All right. So that is four picks for you. I think it's three. Three. So you've got over under five and a half QBs, SEC over 12 and a half, total trades, and Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's four. All right. So I'm going to go. This is. That was a bad pick. (laughs) You're you're regretting it already. Without a doubt. All right. um, I'll do something in the same. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, this is this is a long shot, but this is actually this would be one of my I think steals of the draft because you asked me that earlier, mm-hmm. and I think this would be a shocker. But there's it's a plus eight hundred price tag on it. First linebacker drafted, Aziz Ojulari plus eight hundred. Whoa. Okay. Micah Parsons is minus three twenty five. Yeah, I mean I kind of would have gone there. I think, but that's I like that. I'm looking for um, some. I'm looking for some value there. That that's. I mean, I think Ojolari is going. You're going to look back at this draft and, and look at the Ojolari pick wherever he goes, even if he's not the first, and say that was a phenomenal pick. He's right. the, he's the type of guy that gets drafted by the Ravens and has a Pro Bowl career. Right. Steelers. Um, okay. Like he's one of those guys. Hold on a second, and I'm going to um, veto what I just did because so, um, so I, going you know, it's been a rough day. So. I'm going to go back on the Justin Fields thing. I'm going to say over four and a half wide receivers drafted in the first round. Love that. Yeah. I don't pick. see what the, um, what the actual odds are on it, but I'm taking it regardless because I think it's a no brainer. Um, and I think we see like it Waddle Devonta and Jamar chase will all be gone in the first 12 picks. Right. Yep. And then Bateman from Minnesota is four so then you just need one more and and we saw last year how you know justin jefferson snuck in like to the late in the first round ended up being an incredible pick right and then you look at like all the needs that that teams have at receiver like the packers packers Um, jags because the jags have two picks right um the dolphins if they don't go ahead and get somebody up there at that that first pick at uh at six so i'm gonna take elijah moore Rashad Bateman, all those guys. Yeah. Yep. That should have been the first pick of, of this entire yeah. thing. So Love there that. you go. Love that pick. Okay. You're lucky I let you go back on that. Appreciate that. Oh, I'm, right. I'm up again. So last one. <laughs> um, first, first, uh, first offensive player taken. First offensive player taken. First defensive player okay. taken. I was like, I'm going to take Lawrence. No, I'm going to take Patrick Sertan. Um, the actual uh, odds on it. Are not, I mean, they're not that bad. Um, I'm trying to pull it up real quick because it's between him, Horn, and the kid from Northwestern. By the way, the over under on the, on the four and a half receivers is minus 400. I, I still think that's free money, um, no matter yeah. what. So I, I agree. Where in the hell? Okay, first defensive player picked Patrick Sertan is minus 125. JC Horn is plus 175. I think that's great. I would take that. So, what was it? Minus what? Minus uh, 125. All right, great. And for my last pick, I think this is the layup of all layups. Get plus odds. Who will Trevor Lawrence hug first? Oh, boy. 
This man just got married like three weeks ago. Right. And you don't think he's going to hug his wife first? Plus 100. Mm -hmm. I'll take it all day. I'm nervous about the dad. I, I hit I hit on the dad last year. <laughs> Burrow got with the dad last year, and, and I won yeah. that. But I think with the very – just the nuptials, they're too new, Chris. Yeah. Love that new car smell and the new marriage. Everything's fresh. The wife plus 100. Give it to me for my last pick. We'll okay. post these on our Twitter. Yeah. You and go, real tell quick, us, though, go tell us what you think the favorite pick is. Yeah, without a doubt, do that. And then before we get out of here, I, I want to say one more thing, which is um, our worst takes that we've ever had about the draft. We should share them. Oh, God. Yeah. You didn't prepare me for this. And now. Well, I know what yours is. So. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, so, my worst one ever was that Calvin Ridley would not be a good uh, pro. So I thought he was too small. Uh, and then I've gone to bat for Devonta Smith nonstop. So that only 166 really pounds, buddy. Not great. Um, and so I knew that's mine. Do you want to share yours? Or you want me to share it for you? You can share it for me. Tyler once said on our former podcast that Baker Mayfield would be selling insurance by the end of what was it? Um, by well, the end I, of like 2018. This is like before. <laughs> to be fair, it was before like, the draft. It, it was well before the draft. It was like yeah, the yeah. start of the season. And, yeah. and I was like, there's like rumors he could go number one overall. And you're like, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> um, so there's that. So, you know, take all this with a grain of salt. It could happen. Yeah. It might not. Who knows? But that's that's all we got for that uh, for now. <laughs> all right. You're up. All right. So that that's that's I'm going to I'm going to post these on the Twitter and you guys tell us what you think is the best pick. Please tweet us. Let us know. You can you can hit the uh, podcast Twitter. At, at CFB underscore uncensored, or you can mm -hmm. hit us directly at Tyler Huck at Vern Funquist. Brett. And let us know what you think should be we, we left out and as far as the, the prop bets. I love these. There's a couple others I had, you know, who will 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 Trevor Lawrence cry? No is minus a thousand, which when you're the yeah. number one pick and no is minus a thousand, basically they're saying Ooh. you're wrong. Well, yeah, but also, like, should, is that good money? I mean, that, that seems like a good bet. Though. I mean, yes, is plus, plus 550. That's a big moment, although we kind of said this last year about Joe Burrow. When you know you're the number one pick for, like, two straight, three straight, four straight. Trevor yeah. Lawrence has known he's going to be the number one pick since he was a freshman in high school, probably. Very true. Um, maybe he's just used to it by now. But minus 1,000 for no. But that's not, that's not one of my picks, Chris. I'm just okay. saying. Um. All right, let's let's transition to spring game recaps, and then uh, what? We'll get the uncensored moment of the week, and get out of here. Um, all right, let's start. Let's start in College Station. My favorite guy, Jimbo Fisher, and his squad at Texas A and M, uh, replacing Kellen Mond this year. Um, I know they've got four quarterbacks on the roster that have a shot at the job. I think it's a two man race between Zach Calzada, Calzada, and uh, Haynes King. Um, Maybe a tip of the hand. Uh, Haynes King worked majority with the first team offense. Um, they had similar days, the two guys. Um, it's tough with these spring games, man. Like, yeah, you know, A and M was missing um, their best receiver. They were missing Devin Shane, Demarvin Leal, Jalen Watermeyer, Michael Clemens, all not playing. So you're right. watching a bunch of backups after the game. A couple receivers jumped in the portal. I don't know what's going on there. Um, 
the O line yeah. has to be completely replaced, uh, except for Kenyon Green. Um, they look shaky, right? Without a doubt. Well, and also though, very the, reminiscent that of defense returns. Yeah, but that defense returns like twenty of twenty two on the two deep for for defense. Yeah. And that's you know so. it's spring. They're working through things um, on defense. Um, they lost a ton, uh, but they still were very disruptive in the game. Edrin Cooper looks like he's going to be a player. He led mm-hmm. both defenses with nine tackles and a sack. Jimbo was all over him uh, after the game, praising him. Um, look out for the name Aeneas Smith. He had a look out for the name. That kid is a stud already. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, him and how do you say his name? Damas? Damas? Damon Damas? Mm-hmm. That is DeVry University. <laughs> uh, between those two, um, you know, it could be you could look at some pretty good receivers there in College Station. Um, but I think you know the job is wide open. Um, Fisher after the after the spring practice was pretty hesitant to name any starter or anything like that. Um, both guys were okay. I mean, Haynes yeah. King threw um, for two hundred eleven yards and a touchdown and a pick. Calzada was so- not very much better than that. Yeah, and he gets to play on both sides, which is a, a trend that um, I, I do not understand uh, nor or like. Hey, but, it's twenty twenty one, man. It's twenty twenty one, man. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so yeah, we just saw me do the uh, NFL draft uh, prop bet. So the thing is, so Haynes King, um, I, I feel like going into spring ball, everyone kind of like close to to A and M probably thought he was going to take over, um, you know, or, or take the the lead in that that race um, at quarterback. Again, like it's one of those things where I don't know what we're really what the takeaways are. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, like losing four or five on the offensive line is a big, big deal. And you know they also lost a lot of talent at receiver. The fact that they're going to be able to have two of the best running backs, maybe the best running back combo outside of Athens in in the SEC with uh, a chain and then obviously Aeneas Smith and Aeneas Smith, like somebody else tell me, is he receiver? Is he running back? What's he on the depth chart? Because he he plays both roles and but he is phenomenal out of the backfield and he's phenomenal in space right like i mean he he had five catches for 115 yards and a touchdown and that's really the same kind of stuff he was doing the last season um and just kind of flew under the radar because it was a, a pretty loaded um what do you call it conference in terms of receivers and also running backs so i i think by the time we get to um uh, whatever september 3rd 4th whatever the first first game is i think haynes king is going to be your starter right yeah. That being said, this could also play out the way we've seen some of the stuff with, with Jimbo Fisher when he doesn't have the guy play out. And, and that is you don't have Bama until, you know, a couple weeks in. I don't think yeah. you have a, a big, you know, a, a tough game right out the gates. So they're they're going to be like lay up seven and one going into Tuscaloosa. OK, so and that being said, he's totally fine with not taking the handcuffs or, or taking the leash off of whoever his quarterback is because he runs that show and letting his defense win him games leading up to that. Cause you have a lot of stuff that like moving parts that are, are going to need to work for this offense, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to kind of hit stride. And I think that quarterback is obviously the most important position on the field, but at the same time here, I'm much more concerned about having the, the four new offensive linemen gel ready to go. Um, but yeah, like, you know, this is, like last year we weren't blown away by the numbers that Kellen Mom was putting up, but it is something to say for like what he was able to do. And, and, and that's a kid that went 
he got shit on so much from from like opposing fans and, and just never got the respect I feel like he deserved um, when he left College Station. And it, they're going to miss that kid a lot, a lot this year. Yeah. And what he was able to do, especially from a ball security standpoint, we have not cussed at all on the show. Yeah, and I I, I missed uh, I I miss said this. So fuck me, right? Yeah, see, there you go. Um, they actually have Alabama their what was that sixth game? So, but going into that, Kent State. Mm-hmm. Colorado Buffaloes at Mile High Stadium. Got the old, got to love the old neutral side against Colorado. Uh, New Mexico, that's a tough one. Um, Arkansas, Mississippi State, then Bama. So you've got to think by that Saturday, October 9th, hopefully they've got a QB that has gelled with a brand-new O-line to go along with the defense that's carried them to that part. Probably going to be the number one defense in the nation when – at that point, when you consider they're playing Kent yeah. State, Colorado, New Mexico, Arkansas, and Mississippi State, but um, yeah, it should be an interesting year. Um, I don't think we learned a ton. The common theme here, especially in the spring games this past weekend, is missing players. Um, yeah, and crazy so, amounts. You know, the fact that they were missing a ton of their players on offense, especially. Um, well, you got a guy as fast as Devin Shane, and then you got w- Watermeyer, who's an absolute beast. Yeah, he's um, a monster. You know. Uh, maybe the QBs didn't have as many of their targets as they needed. So um, anything else on AM before we move over to Columbia? Nope. All right, let's go over to South Carolina. Common theme here again, missing 23 players. Did not have a, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. They did have a, a couple of their running backs, but one of them was a tight end that had to move over. Um, not great. They were missing so many players that they couldn't divide the roster up into two separate rosters for a four quarter game. So, okay. So we got to talk about this because there are some things that we talked about last week where I I voiced my frustrations uh, about how I hate the way we do some of these spring games. Like Bama didn't release stats or um, look at South Carolina, South Carolina only kept stats and score for the first half. Strange. Did not like that. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but I think so. Like the reason why I was frustrated with that is because, besides from trying to put out content, um, is the fact that you have a QB battle here with Luke Doty, and then I think his name is Jason Brown. Is a, is a new kid um, transfer, and like I think a lot of South Carolina fans want Luke Doty to win that starting job. I, you know, he's a former Elite Eleven guy, four star recruit. You know, in state guy especially, um, and, and people are expecting like a, I think a lot from him. A, inside of that facility and also you know fans of that school now when you look at the numbers and it's like you went five of seven for 54 yards that's that's not great like that's not (laughs) anything that's you know you're gonna be like super impressed with um the thing for me that was was most impressive was was this the running back position is something i think will be loaded right like yeah you already have have to find offense that's we're gonna have they're gonna have to find offense there right but you already have kevin harris and he is your returning leader, leading rusher in the SEC. Um, you have a kid la- who last year, um, and why am I forgetting his name now? Marshawn Lloyd, who was a four-star recruit out of out of Delaware. Um, and like we said before, nobody recruits Delaware like fucking South Carolina. Um, so you have two really good running backs there. But the fact that you have after this performance, and we heard about this throughout the spring, and, and, and not just running between the tackles, but especially out of the backfield, Zaquandre Wright. Running back, um, transfer from Florida State. 90, yeah, 
14 carries, yeah. 95 yards, one touchdown. That's that's good. And and that I'm not saying the entire front seven, but that D-line should be the strength of South Carolina's defense. And for him to be able to put up those kind of numbers, I was very impressed by that. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, it's going to be very hard to find any big plays out of the passing game, I think, this year. It's going to take Chain, Beamer, some time to, to build that room up, not only at the receiver position, quarterback position. I mean, the strength of this team is along both lines. Uh, D-line's really good. O-line's good. Um, running backs are going to be the key to South Carolina's season. Like you said, Kevin Harris was out in here, but you've got him, Marshawn Lloyd, Rashad Amos. Then you add Zaquandre White in. Raheem Bell switches over from tight end in this game. He has seven carries for 41 yards and a touchdown. So pair all those guys together. You have a pretty decent running back room. Um, all four all four quarterbacks played, and they combined for 104 yards passing. The leading receiver had 28 yards receiving. Yeah, how does it, and I think that was also to Karrion Joyner, who I, I'm really yeah, excited for, um, former uh, backup quarterback. But like one of the best athletes on the team we've seen for the past couple of years. Um, all right. The, the other big takeaway I have from this that I, I'm excited for is tight end EJ Jenkins. Okay. Um, he came from, I believe, yeah, they, they, him and uh, Jason Brown, the other quarterback um, who did not win the starting job, right? Like we, I said, they're going into, they were battling for it. Luke Doty was named the starter after, after the game uh, heading into uh, some workouts. EJ Jenkins is a six, seven tight end. And I believe the first touchdown scored in the entire game was basically a jump ball to him inside the 20 yard line and letting a six, seven athlete go up and do what six, seven athletes do. And that is catch a ball over a smaller defense, defensive back or defender. Um, we made a huge deal about what we saw with, with Darnell Washington from, uh, from Georgia. I love this from South Carolina, like, cause they, they don't need to have, another shy Smith necessarily. And they're not going to have one at receiver. They can get production um, for maybe like if, if it's uh, like white, who's playing like, you know, more of like a scat back situation and not like between the tackles and catching balls out of the backfield. And then also a kid like this, who is just an absolute mismatch. We saw with Albert. Oh, I'm not going to say his mm -hmm. last name. Um, a couple of years Hard. ago with, with, uh, with Mizzou where he just becomes inside the 20 and in, in, in the red zone, an absolute mismatch and nightmare for, for the defense. And, that would be incredible for this offense. Yeah, so it should be interesting. I mean, look, I think we can all agree. First year of Shane Beamer, just it's a transition year. You know, these first year head coaches, uh, especially in the SEC, are going to have some some tough times. But um, who do you think you know, weighs we'll, more, by the way, him or, or Devontae Smith? Who? Shane Beamer. Uh, <laughs> he uh, is Devontae like Smith. the littlest. Really? Okay. Um, probably is in biceps, dude, right? Hell yeah, brother. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, let's go over to Knoxville because My God. I feel like they this was just Josh Heupel trying to entertain the fans. Which is good. They deserve that. Yeah. yeah. They, they've been through a lot of pain. They've been through a lot of hurt. All right. Um, the Josh Heupel offense did what it does. Quick tempo. Big chunk plays. Can't feel good, good about the defense right now. Um I don't think they even knew what was going on. People were out of position, overplaying the ball. Um, you would think that that's typical of spring ball, but actually it's the opposite typically. Typically the defense yeah. is much more ahead of the offense. I kind of feel like they schemed up. They like planned, hey, you know what? We need to get this fan base excited. Yeah. Maybe it worked because they picked up a pretty good QB commit today. Um, 
but they it felt like they kind of schemed up everything to cater to the offense to pick up um, some some juice maybe along the recruiting trail and in the fan base, which again I'm fine with. Yeah, I mean, like, so my favorite stat or moment from this weekend in general was um, my coworker, good buddy. Um, Michael Bratton, SEC Mike on on Twitter. He's a big Tennessee guy, and I mean, like he he knows like the state of this program, um, but he's excited obviously because you have you know fresh new blood in that in that head coaching booth and that visor. And he had a tweet during the game that said Tennessee's offense has 311 yards of offense after 25 plays. Okay, <laughs> 311 yards of offense after 29 plays. Next. There's 8.30 remaining in the first quarter. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I, I was still excited for that. I think that's great for them. Um, I don't know what was going on with the defense, but I don't think it really matters. No. I mean, again, it's spring. It, maybe you don't take too much from it, but out of all those plays they ran, there was only one sack on the day. That seems kind of concerning. Um, yeah, especially as bad as the O-line has been typically at Tennessee. Uh, Harrison Bailey, at least for now, seems like the clear favorite here. 12-15, 260 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Those numbers were on backups and walk-ons, I will say. Plus, you've got mm -hmm. a very talented freshman coming in, Caden Salter. Joe Milton transferring in from, from Michigan. Yeah, it's huge. Um, so we'll see what happens there. You know, um, Hypo was brought in because he had an exciting offense, and this is what he put up in the spring game. So... Maybe that's what we should have expected, but um, you know, you, you'd like to see more from the defense uh, as uh, you know fall camp opens up. I mean, but in the same way, I don't think it really like Tennessee fans are some of the most tradition rich and and old school SEC fans. I think you know in the conference for sure, maybe the country, right? Like they're going to expect a, a better defensive showing. But this is also one of those things where I said this when when South Carolina was making their hire you cannot make a hire that's going to be the same shit we've seen over and over. Like, like like, what are the boxes that you're checking from like the resume? Okay. So did he, did he come from Saban? All right. Awesome. That's, that's rule number one. Uh, two, is he defensive minded coach? Like we saw where that got teams like Jeremy Pruitt or, or what do you call it? Coaches like Jeremy Pruitt and Will Muschamp. Just the way that the game is being played now, that's outdated. And it's not, you know, like I think some Good defense now is like giving up maybe 20 points a game and 350 yards a game, you know, maybe, right? Like it's it's not yeah. like how it was even a decade ago. Um, that being said, well, you, I mean, look, you look at the NFL draft. Like when's the last time you saw mock drafts that in the first 15 picks didn't have a D lineman? That's crazy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't, everything has gone offensive. So if, right. if that is how it's going, I mean, maybe you're super excited as a Tennessee fan right now. Exactly. So regardless of what the defense looked like, especially in a, like a glorified scrimmage against each other, I think that they the, the mood going into the offseason has to be, hey, like at least we didn't see a defensive struggle. We didn't see terrible quarterback like play. Um, Harrison Bailey, like you said, 12-16, 260 yards, four touchdowns. I think that's awesome. Um, Hendon Hooker, 10 of 14 for 111 pass yards. Also had a, um, I forgot how many yards on the ground, but like did, did decent on the ground as well. Too, yeah. Yeah, and they had two total touchdowns. Um, we also saw one of our other favorite things from spring ball, which is a white walk-on lead the team in receiving. Um, and like you said this a couple weeks ago, and I, I never even thought about it until then. 
it's so weird how in the spring, like you'll see these kids emerge and then never hear from them again. So shout out Jack Jancic, incredible NCAA 14, uh, just Lacrosse, absolutely made up man. name. I mean, like, I feel like that's every single recruit. Like, remember like when you were in like the seventh or eighth year of your dynasty mode and they, they couldn't come up with like the same, like Tim Smith, Tim Williams, whatever those names would be. So it was like always just alliteration. Jan Jansen. Jan yeah, Jan I Jan. Feel like, I feel like Jack Jancic was on the 1980 um, Miracle on Ice team. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He, he sounds like an assistant coach. <laughs> like he was definitely wearing a turtleneck in Lake Placid that evening. Again. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I, I thought that was great though. And the other thing here is is I'm gonna I'm gonna give Tennessee fans one more piece of good news um, before we move on to the next team, and that is regardless of what you thought of the defense and what you saw from your quarterbacks, you didn't have Jared Garantano playing for you. And I'm not sure if you know this, Tyler, but when he transferred out and he went to Washington State, three years too late, uh, I believe, since Mike Leach is not there, he had his spring game this weekend as well. And the first pass he attempted in the game. You want to guess what happened? Uh, pick six. Interception. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, proud of you. Um, don't say it's it enough. Just, so he's just throwing it's a little throwback for him. You know, he he had to get back comfortable, feeling his roots. You know, just gotta throw that pick. Yeah, I guess. Regardless, um, they're in a better place now. They're in a better place now. Good. Maybe. Hey, look. Maybe. Hypo will end up being the surprise great hire of the of the the cycle this year. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right, let's go down to Oxford where we'll finish it off with the Grove Bowl, the party at the SIP weekend. Lane Kiffin knows how to throw a party. Old Joe yeah, Freshwater. That was for real. Um so if you missed it, I I love what some of these teams are doing now where you're creating an entire weekend. Um, and especially after how miserable 2020 was creating an entire weekend for your fans um, to enjoy an experience because nobody really gives a shit about like what time the spring game is, as long as it's not like, you know, a thousand degree weather. Um, and I was actually talking to Tom Hart about this the other day. And, and he was saying one of the benefits of, of teams not being on SEC network this year was a lot of times if that game's being covered, even though it's a spring game, the time slot and start starting, uh, or I guess like, like the starting time for those games is dictated by the network. So ESPN or SC Network, and they kind of tell the teams when they're going to start and when they're not going to start. Um, having like these different programs, you talked about it with uh, what was going on at Mississippi State when they had their game and had a baseball series against Ole Miss the same weekend, top five matchup. Um, thought that was awesome. Yep. You're talking about, I think like Bama had like a big baseball uh, series and softball going on against Florida. So having these like kind of not mega weekends, but like weekends where you can really, you're not, strictly devoted to your recruits not strictly devoted to you know having some serious outcome um like on the field for whatever spring games going on but to be able to like kind of give back to the fans especially after 2020 i thought that was awesome and nobody besides maybe mississippi state did a better job of that than ole miss and just all weekend you had a uh what do you call it a baseball series against uh lsu then you had the spring game they had 30 players out um didn't kiffin throw out the first pitch kiffin threw out the first pitch on friday night and came out to what is the name what is the actual name of the song because it's hulk hogan's theme song it's like real americans or something like that yes real american <laughs> and, and by the way my favorite part of this is like just like 
I love Kiffin and he's, he's like allowed to be an asshole and, and he definitely is an asshole. Right. I'm um, shocked that Kiffin hasn't been pimping Dogecoin on Twitter yet. <laughs> I mean, he's a really like good a, point. <laughs> he seems like a crypto bro to the, to the max. Like we, we need to do like a prediction of what he's going to do um, moving forward. Like in like the off season. Cause like, I think like you said, well, he fired Kiffin, his O-line coach today. I, I mean, didn't know that Randy Clements, who I, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss Randy? had the number one. Randy uh, had the number one rush offense in the SEC last year. Ole Miss did. Okay. Seems like the O-line did a pretty damn good job. He's considered one of the best O-linemen or O-line coaches in the country. Fired today. Interesting. I think they gave up like There's got to be something sacks. to that. I think they have like 10 sacks in that game. Well, they have 30 players out. Come on. <laughs> Regardless. Um, no, like, but like what Kiffin did throwing out the first pitch was so spot on Kiffin. And like, this just like tells me more and more how much of a perfect fit he was for Oxford. Because when you look at Oxford, it's a party school. They don't have a great football program. So like the, the expectations aren't super high and they, they will get behind those teams and they will get behind a personality. Your coach, you saw it with Hugh freeze and especially a guy that can recruit and have fun. Um, he walked out of the right field bullpen and never what, what stopped walking. Right. He never stopped walking. Oh, he just walked the whole way. The entire fucking way. And if, if you don't realize that. why that's annoying, I think if you're, if you're like, if that happened in an actual game, I have zero doubt in the world that any of my coaches I ever played for would, would like run me until my quote dick was in the dirt, which is my college coach would always say. So he sat there, opened, opened the right field. Uh, what do you call it? Bullpen and just moseyed on up to, uh, <laughs> to the mound. I didn't even see the pitch. It was like a three and a half minute intro. It, it was like a WrestleMania entrance. It was that that fucking long and elaborate, um, but it was incredible. And then the other thing that I saw from this weekend, did you see the kid who snuck onto the field on their sideline and just start like it was like a, like a the homeless guy from USC? <laughs> Not as cool as that, um, but but like just snuck onto the sideline. Right. And and was like just <laughs> dancing and like jumping up and down and like getting like the team hyped. He's very clearly not on the team. He's wearing like an Ole Miss like powder blue baseball jersey and like jeans. He he's like it, it was, the camera was far away, but it looked like he was built like fucking Doug Funny. Okay, like he was very very small. Um, so he's like jumping up and down the team. The strength and conditioning coach comes over and sees it, does nothing to tell him to leave. Just just gets even more hyped while uh, while he's on the sideline. They finally stop paying attention to him because like the next play was happening. He walks over, picks up a fire extinguisher, and just starts hosing like in the air um and the, again the strength against you coach is like yeah, and it's like during um what was it uh throw it up um which I, was it like dsgb like from like our high school days it was okay. unbelievable it was unbelievable and and he didn't get in any trouble they loved it it was it's fantastic as far as the game's concerned matt corral looked good um, who cares he had uh braylon sanders who it kind of came on late last year as a reliable mm -hmm. target for, for Corral, and that seemed to carry over 135 yards, a touchdown in the first half of this game. Um, look, it's this one probably more than anything is, is very hard to glean anything because you've got zero scholarship running backs, right? Uh, 30 players out. Our focus in this game was purely about Lane Kiffin. Now, let me ask you this Ole Miss fans may not want to hear this. I'm going to put the over under. On two and a half years, how much longer is Kiffin at Ole Miss? 
Oh, I I could see him retiring there. I could have seen in him two years. retiring at FAU. <laughs> also true. In Boca. Um, in Boca. Um, no, I just, I don't know. I feel like, look, he's perfect for college football because of the antics, but I also feel like the antics get old quickly. If you're not so, winning. If you're not winning, right. And that's a tough division, as we know. Um, maybe two, maybe three and a half should have been the 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 number. But the thing is, too, like, you look at what they that that program celebrates, and it's, I mean, like they're very passionate. They have one national championship, I believe. Um, they had like a string of like five years from like fifty eight to sixty two or something like that, where they were like in the top five every year. I can't remember exactly when the national championship was. I want to say it was fifty nine or sixty. The fifty nine was LSU. Regardless, um, like. Ole Miss as a program isn't necessarily built to win championships. And I think their, their fan base knows that. And that's why when stuff like Eli Manning coming home and taking them to a cotton bowl, which was like their first, you know, um, what, what would you call it? It's, it wasn't like a new year's day bowl, but it was like their first big, big bowl. Um, right. like one of the traditional, like traditional bowls, um, in over a decade or maybe two decades. And then you talk about them going to that 20, 14 or 2015 season um, when you upset Bama and beat him for the second year in a row. And then you go to the sugar bowl and get that win against Oklahoma state. Like that's really, that's like, doesn't have to be the ceiling, but if it is, it's accepted. And I think that's huge for a coach like Kiffin and he's already, he's already beloved, right? Like, and if, if he's able to win first off in state and beat Mississippi state, right. Um, continue to have these quarterbacks and, and players that are exciting and fun to watch. Like that's, that's going to be the big thing for me is everything he's got there. Now he, he inherited, right? Like, and he's done a good job managing it with Matt Corral and, and what he's kind of turned him into. Um, but losing a guy like your at tight end, losing a guy like Eli Moore, how do they replace that? What do you do with John Rice Plumley at receiver? How does that look? Um, you know, and just going into year two. So we'll see. The other thing is when you talk about what he's going to be doing, like, like big picture wise, Let's make some bold predictions for what Kiffin is doing before the season. I, I will say there's one Coach O type picture that comes out of him uh, with someone that he should, I don't say shouldn't be with, but it is a surprise that he was with. Um, and then I will also say he will, I'm not sure how many fights he's going to have before the season at this rate, probably like three. He'll, he'll end up either being front row or walking, um, Jake Paul to the ring. <laughs> For real. Oh, man. Love that. Also, crypto. Crypto, bro. There you go. All right. So that is our spring game recap. And finally, let's get to the uncensored moment of the week. I think we, we call, can all get behind this, okay? Actually, no. Totally fucking kidding with you. Mark Emmert renewed with the NCAA. I just, I don't get it. I, I, so I saw this last night. Um, we got home from, and we, we got what we thought was good news, the chips. And I'm like writing this like heartfelt, uh, thank you on social media to everyone. And in the middle of it, as I'm reading it for, uh, this is going to shock you, but I actually reread it for proofreading, um, and grammatical errors. Shocking. Right. Um, I, I saw the news with Emirate. It popped up on my, on my phone and I fucking lost my mind. Like I was like knee deep in this, like, very sentimental. Thank you so much, guys. You guys are the best. Thank you for these thoughts and prayers, blah, blah, blah. You know, like God's got us. And then it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Because <laughs> Mark Emmert, 
He's been the president of the NCAA since 2010. Um, he's supposed to be under contract till October 2023 uh, with an option to return in 2024. They announced an extension. I I, I just don't fucking get it. I, I don't understand. Unanimously like, voted. Unanimously. Who's yeah. all like? So if he's this bad, who are his fucking peers? Like who? Like every job that you've ever worked, right? You've you've probably had a sense of like I I feel like I could do whoever's above me I could do their job right I feel like that's like a common thing with with, with people in their in the workplace and and you'll complain about like you know just like I remember like at Houston's all the time we would we would have just like nitpicky shit like you'd be like I can't believe so and so got that section who is sitting around Mark Emerton's like you know what he's doing a really fucking good job like can't can't think of a single thing that I would do differently my favorite thing about this is the NCAA, they knew what was coming on this. And so they put out this press release and it says the main headline board reaffirms commitment to updating name, image, and likeness rules. You go down there, there's good, good, some good stuff on there. Then some campus sexual violence policy updated, really good stuff there. Something other for the Kaplan Hecker, I don't know. And then it says other business. Additionally, uh, the board voted unanimously to extend Mark Emmert till 2025. Like they just threw it in as a footnote. Like, cause they, they knew. Do. They knew that people would hate this and, uh, and we all do. So yeah. the NCAA just doing a rousing fucking job again here. Just killing it. The NCAA just killing it. I just don't it. get it. I, I really, and, and honestly, we'll start talking about this as they get into the off season. We're heading into a, a very, interesting and potentially dangerous time um, with like the name, name, image, and likeness uh, rules that are being passed. And because right now, if you guys are unfamiliar, it's, it's going from state to state. So that's a huge recruiting advantage if you have those in place. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and not every, not every state's going to have that. So like for him to be signed on even longer, which is essentially saying we want him to oversee whatever comes of this which is going to be a fucking nightmare, right? Like it's going to be a shit show like right out of the gates because again, not every single state has passed it. I don't know why we chose this guy to, to be our, our, our leader, our, our fearless leader going into this because he's been just notoriously bad. Yeah. It's a head scratcher, but you know, added to the list of head scratchers and you, this is like, moves. hold on real quick. Do you remember when Fergie sang the national anthem and it was fucking terrible? disagree thought it was great okay. so she added a lot of smooth jazz elements that no one asked for um it's like an nba game it might have been a finals game like like three or four years ago and it was like if you look it up or you know like put it in google or youtube it's worth a google um like all the players are laughing or trying not to laugh or laughing because it was awful this would be like if she performed that night and then like the next day they're like listen this is a little bit different than what we usually do. What if we have Fergie come back? What if the fuck you don't? I mean, I just, I just don't get it. Oh man. Well, yeah. frustrating, but anyways, no. all right, this was good. Um, we will post our picks for the NFL draft prop bets on Twitter. Go give us some feedback. Tell us what you'd like to see. Maybe we'll even do, I'm not going to promise anything. We both got stuff going on tomorrow, but maybe we do a Facebook Live before the draft mm -hmm. to see how you guys are feeling about it. And uh, anything else you want to say to the listeners before we let them go? On no, thanks day. again. Uh, really appreciate all the um, 
you know, like I said, the support and all that kind of stuff. You guys are great. And, uh, and also, you know, I'm sure we might've missed some stuff um, just because the nature of what was going on this week, but we're getting into my favorite time of year, which is the uh, off season. We get to get real creative and we will um, have a lot of stuff coming your way. Yeah. It, what I've found to be super cool about joining this podcast and, and us doing this together is finding out how big of a family the listenership is. So um, I'm sure you got a lot of shout outs from them for what's going on with chips. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very appreciative of everybody taking me in and having no negative, at least from what I've seen, uh, anything to say about me. Uh, it's been awesome. So really appreciate you guys listening. Tell a friend about the podcast. If they're not listening, we want to grow this thing. We want to be the number one college football podcast in the country, in the world. Yeah, all the above. There better not be some podcast over in China. That okay, I don't know why you brought that up. Bigger than yeah. us. I, I bet LeBron that. loves it. All right, let's go uh, right. send this to Will, and we will see you all next week. All right, guys. See you.